Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. Today is November 10th, 2021. We are recording this podcast around 2 p.m. Eastern Time. That's going to be important because uh, the guest that we have today, welcome back, Duncan Giles, our chapter president. And uh, uh, we have, if you're looking on video, you see we once again, for the third time in a podcast, first time since we've added the video uh, portion of it, Tony Reardon, the national president of NTU, is joining us. So, Tony Reardon, welcome once again. A great honor to have you back. Well, um, Larry and Duncan, thank you for having me. You guys uh, can't seem to get rid of me, but I'm <laughs> happy to be here. <laughs> well, we all have a lot to do at the moment, and I'm going to get right into that now. Because President Reardon, uh, I, I mentioned the date and time of our podcast recording because some events are moving quite quickly. And I would very much appreciate it if, if you would just give us an update as to what is happening. Uh, we are recording at 2 p.m. We're going to uh, be posting this a little later in the day. Explain to us exactly what's happening on the vaccine mandate, the big issue right now with not just federal employees, but private sector employees as well. Tell us uh, what's happening as of right now. Um, I absolutely uh, um, am happy to do that, Larry. So, um, uh, again, thanks to you both for having me. You know, late last week, um, OSHA, which is, I think most of us know, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, finally uh, released its rule governing the vaccine and uh, testing protocols for private sector employers with 100 um, or more employees. Now, this rule that they released is aimed at protecting more than um, 84 million workers um, across the country in the private sector, as I said, from the spread of the coronavirus um, on the job. Now, under the OSHA rule, employers must implement a mandatory COVID-19 uh, vaccination policy. Employers, though, have the option to adopt a policy um, allowing employees to choose to either be vaccinated or undergo regular COVID-19 testing, as well as wear a, a, a face covering at work. Now, under the executive order um, covering federal workers, our members, obviously, um, employees must be vaccinated. Um, and um, get approved for a reasonable accommodation or uh, face removal. One of those things has to happen. Either they get vaccinated or they get approved for um, a reasonable accommodation. Now, the option of, of regular COVID-19 testing in lieu of vaccination was not something that was offered to the federal workforce. So in NTEU's view, this rule... Um, the um, the rule that we have in place for federal employees is fundamentally unfair to federal employees who are being treated differently um, and and face potential removal from their jobs um, if they are not vaccinated. So as a result, yesterday, I sent a letter to um, administration officials calling for equal treatment for our members. NTEU believes strongly um, that the federal government should adopt the exact same rules that OSHA has determined are safe for the private sector. So that's kind of what's 
that's kind of what's uh, going on around this, uh, Larry. So, Tony, have you had an instant reaction from your proposal, or is it just too early to tell? You know, um, it's it's I, I think too early to tell. Certainly, I've not gotten any kind of uh, a formal reaction. I sent the letter. Um, over electronically um, uh, yesterday evening, I have heard some rumors that uh, it, you know, things are kind of percolating around Washington D.C. a little bit. Although, in terms of a formal response um, or even an informal response, I've not yet received one. I'll bring in uh, our chapter president, Duncan Giles. Yeah, Tony. A uh, couple of questions. What is NTU's policy on getting vaccinated on the vaccine itself? Well, you know, um, in in terms of you know what NTEU's view is on uh, uh, vaccines and getting vaccinated, I'm, I'm I'm actually very glad, Duncan, that you asked that question. And this is something that I think most people are pretty familiar with uh, my position on because I've been quite outspoken about it from the from the uh, moment that vaccines uh, became available to uh, our, our our population in this country. NTEU continues to strongly urge our members to get vaccinated to protect themselves and their families um, from this deadly pandemic. We've seen, we've all seen far too many members and coworkers die or become seriously, seriously ill um, from the uh, coronavirus. So we urge every federal employee, every federal employee to consult with their medical professional. And, and ultimately, uh, I mean, I get it. They've got to make the decision that is uh, right for them. Now, I will say um, we do not believe that a civil servant who has served this country throughout the pandemic while wearing a mask, social, social distancing, um, or working from the safety of their telework site um, should be uh, losing their job. We think that they deserve to be treated on par with other employees. Hence, they should be treated um, like the other more than 84 million that I mentioned earlier in my comments um, are, are, are scheduled to be treated under the OSHA rule. Uh, we believe that the OSHA, OSHA rule um, establishes a safe work environment for the public sector and believe that the federal government should follow the exact same rules as the private sector. And, and, and again, I want to be I want to be, you know, obviously words matter and people kind of pay close attention to every word I use. You know, so I want to I want to make sure that I'm being very clear about this. NTEU strongly believes that it is fundamentally unfair to apply a different set of rules to federal employees. Um, and so as a result, call, we call for the OSHA rule to be adopted throughout the federal government. Yeah, it's basically, you know, one of the fundamental things that we deal with all the time is disparate treatment. And right. by having one rule for the executive branch and another rule for these large employers, that's what it amounts to is disparate treatment, in my view. Well, you know what, um, Duncan and Larry, um, you, uh, uh, but Duncan, in this case, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there are going to be those who are going to say, well, you know, Tony, why now? Well, the why now is directly related to... Uh, this OSHA rule uh, now being put into effect. You know, did we hear about a potential of an OSHA rule and what it might contain and all that? Absolutely. We certainly did. But but the fact of the matter is, 
it took them almost 60 days or whatever it's been to get that out. There was no certainty that uh, the administration was going to find out that it was legally viable or that it would actually work or that they would actually put it out there. And so it really wasn't, um, you know, a part of the mix. Um, you, you know, at least it, it, it hadn't been put out there. Well, it's been put out there now. And so, you know, we all understand in our, in our work that we do um, in, in our, you know, unionism, we understand the whole issue around fundamental fairness. And that is a huge issue for me. And I think it's a huge issue for all of us. Right. Um, the big question is going to be now, you know, if we do the testing, if they, if the administration does accept uh, your well thought out, if I might add, proposal, that who's going to pay for the testing? How's that going to be done? Who's going to pay for the testing? That sort of thing. Well, um, I, let, let me just answer that question um, in this way, Duncan. Under the OSHA rule, employers uh, pay for it. It's, it's, it's very similar to the rules for testing as part of the reasonable accommodation process where the agencies will pay for the testing. Um, you know, the government is, is working on simplifying testing and reducing the costs of tests to make them more readily available um, and um, accessible. But, you know, I mean, obviously that would be something if the, if the government um, elects to move forward as I have called for, um, that, is, that is obviously something that would uh, have, to be, uh, have to be dealt with. Yeah, you know, I can't think of a larger employer than the federal government itself, and uh, I and I also have to emphasize something you said before. These OSHA rules have only been out for a few days, and and the private sector and others have been waiting for this a long time. So I'm what I'm hearing you say is uh, you as a union really couldn't move until you had the specifics of those OSHA rules. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, no, you're 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 absolutely hearing that. I mean. You know, obviously, uh, as I said, you know, we could have, um, you know, we knew that there was a possibility of this thing, but it, it, it wasn't ever, it wasn't out there. We had no real idea what the ultimate rules would be. We've all faced, right, um, rumors of what was going to be in something that the government put out. And then when it finally comes out, it is totally different. And so at NTEU, we're pretty thoughtful about these things. And, and so we, we wanted to make sure that we were very clear on what was happening. And then when it did come out and it very, very clearly um, uh, showed a disparity between the way federal employees would be treated and the way that these other 84 million people or more than 84 million people across the country in the private sector would be treated. That's when, for me, um, it solidified um, my position that, you know what, that fundamental unfairness is um, is, is is not something that we as a union can be okay with. Duncan, do you have any final question uh, for President Reardon? Um, so at this point, we pers- we're hoping beyond hope for a change, but we are proceeding uh, at this point per the executive orders. Would that be correct? Um, I mean, at this, at, yeah, we, we certainly asked for the change, but at this point, the executive order remains in place. You know, I have to just want to make sure everybody was clear on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Just one last thing, Tony. You, you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, but it would appear to me that uh, the IRS and the other agencies that are represented by NTEU are probably 
uh, not too upset about your proposal because they stand to lose some employees uh, under the current executive order. Uh, have you had any whispers from people at the agencies about this? You know, not not as of yet. I haven't. So so let me be really clear, because I don't want anybody in the audience to uh, uh, misunderstand what I'm about to say. Um, I've heard nothing since I sent the letter out. What I will tell you is that in past weeks, I have certainly heard from agency heads, uh, from uh, Chico types, uh, uh, you know, chief human capital office types um, who have expressed to me some real significant concern about how this plays out. Will they lose a lot of employees due to retirements? Will they lose employees to, you know, to uh, uh, they're just saying, you know what, we're not going to get the uh, go ahead and fire us or they resign or, or whatever they do. But the bottom line is they are in a situation where they're losing those employees for whatever reason. And I think where we've had, you know, a, um, a, a federal government over the last several years that has um, had a difficult time in terms of, uh, you know, maintaining staffing um, or bringing on new staffing, that's not a place that a lot of agencies want to be, I suspect. So I think that was sort of the derivation of their concern that they voiced to me. And like I said, that was weeks ago. That was not the result of, of the letter I saw. Duncan, we have about a minute left with Tony. Anything you want to add? I, I just want to say the you know, for anybody that doesn't know you like I've you know we've we've known each other just a little while. Um, this is the type of well thought out flexibility, and you know you're you're always looking out for the employees, the members. You want to do what's best for them, and to see something like this is just a case in point to me about that. The situ- it's it's sort of like well people say. The science, you know, why is the science changing? Well, because they learn more things and you go with that change. We learned the, you know, they finally issued the OSHA rules. So we, you know, you've changed your opinion. So I just want to say thank you for your flexibility on that. I'm with you. I'm all for people being vaccinated. Was not a fan of mandating it. Understood why it was done. But um, I, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate um, you you picking up and letting the administration know your views on this. Yeah, well, Duncan, thank you for those um, for those comments. I, I, I really do appreciate those. You know, from my perspective, one of the things that is, um, uh, I, I think, important for any leader, I don't care if it's a union or, or, you know, what it is, I think they've got to be willing to be pragmatic on on some things. And, you know, as um, the data in front of them as the um, as things change, you've got to be willing um, to sort of recalibrate and, and figure out, OK, what is best for my union, our union? What is best for our members? Now, when I say that, understand, and I said it earlier, there are those who feel really strongly on on the side of the mandate. And there are those who feel really, really strongly um, uh, being opposed to the mandate. And we all understand that we've all got to respect everybody's um, opinions. But I think in the end, we've, we're, we're, we're given a lot of very difficult choices. It's a very complex set of issues. Now, with that as a known, 
how do we deal with this in a way that is sort of, you know, that best um, takes into account safety in the workplace, takes into account the fact that employees have been working in this environment for a couple of years and they've had to wear masks and they've um, in many um, uh, in many of our agencies, including the IRS, they've had to go, you know, there are, are folks that have had to go to work for um, a couple of uh, uh, for, you know, almost a couple of years now. Um, so we, we've got to try to take all that into account. And for me, at the very core of what we do, we look to make sure that people are treated with dignity and respect and that they are treated fairly. And that and that and that. Um, you know, the fact that the OSHA rule now treats 84 million people in the private sector differently than federal employees, I just could not get myself by that. That was a huge thing for me. And and so that's what that's where I am on it. And that's where NTEU is. Tony Ridden, you've been very kind with your time, carving out time for us today. But there's not sending up to messages, of course, very important. But to hearing your voice, looking at your face, watching you make this case, it's a special way to communicate uh, to the people involved in our union. So thank you so much. We uh, Duncan and I both uh, very much appreciate the fact that you took the time out to speak with us and uh, hope to speak to you again soon. Yeah, we appreciate. I appreciate um, your nice comments, and um, you guys do a really great service. Um, and so, thank you for uh, having me on. And uh, I'm sure I'll be on again. Thank you very much. I bet much. you I will. Hope, <laughs> I hope I will. Be. <laughs> if Duncan has anything to say about it, thank you again, Tony. All right, take care, guys. Thanks, Tony. Um, that was uh, quite a bit to chew on, right there, Duncan. Um, I I really uh, was a. This is a bit unexpected uh, in one sense, but in another sense, it makes perfect sense to, to us because if you look at what is a large employer, the federal government is a huge employer, over a mil- well over a million people, about a million and a half civilian employees. I've lost track of what the current count is. Uh, and we've got tens of thousands of people just working at IRS, and that doesn't count all the agencies that NTEU represents, including uh, uh, including the uh, the border protection. So I, I would have to say that uh, this is a bold move, and I uh, am anxiously awaiting what the White House has to say about it. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. As you can tell from Tony, this is a, you know, it's all about fairness. It has nothing to do with, you know, anything else that, you know, we've the executive order, as we saw from the uh, excellent explanation that Jim Bailey gave during our po- previous podcast uh, a while back, you know, it's it's sound legal that the White House can do it. But what Tony's asking for them to do is to be treated equitably with the private sector. And in doing so, um, employees that have strong feelings of, about not being vaccinated, you know, are being absolutely taken into consideration where they felt they might not have before. So we were trying very hard. Um, Tony's trying very hard to make sure that, you know, like I say, it's, it's equitable treatment. That's what it boils down to. Well, as uh, Tony mentioned in response to your question, uh, at least as of this time, the agencies are supposed to be following the executive order which said that the counseling memos were supposed to go out November 9th. But the, this IRS, they didn't go out November 9th, did they? No, they didn't. Um, you know, this I, I'm 
I'm not going to go into details from some of the rumors that I've heard, but I would expect those counseling memos to go out uh, very soon to the folks who either are not fully vaccinated, um, are not vaccinated at all, um, or have not updated their information in HR Connect or even put any information in HR Connect. So I would I would say that those should be coming out very soon. I should also mention that uh, there has been a court decision this week, which I think has some bearing on all this. The, the decision came out late Monday, and the media got a hold of it yesterday. And it was a, it was a district court in Washington, D.C., which gets a lot of these cases on federal employee issues. There were 18 civilian employees and two members, uh, uniformed members of the Marine Corps who were challenging the man, the vaccine mandate uh, for federal employees, which would include people in the military in that sense. And the judge basically threw it out of court and, and denied any, uh, 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 how should I put it, anything that these people wanted, basically saying that the mandate is for uh, public health and that, that outweighs any arguments that those plaintiffs might have made. Of course, it could be appealed, but it was a pretty strong ruling from that judge who felt very confident that the law was behind that. That uh, judge's name was Colleen Collar Catelli, I believe it was. So uh, we've got, uh, you know, and I think that's what Jim Bailey was telling us. That's what you've been told by our NTU lawyers. You're going to see a lot of litigation, but the chances of it being successful uh, are uh, not very high. I remember um, at talking to a to a judge in a group of people years ago in a seminar, and they kept asking this judge, could I sue over this? Can I sue over that? And he just stopped and said, anybody can sue anybody as long as you have a piece of paper to write it down on and the filing fee. So if you want to sue somebody, you can sue about anything. Now, can you win? Entirely different question. So the lawsuits are being filed, but so far they've been unsuccessful. And that's more or less what our NTU lawyers have been telling us. Yeah, everything that in my discussions, and I've had quite a few, and I've done the research um, myself into the court cases because it's almost like, okay, what, when you're researching prior arbitration cases for, for um, an issue with an employee, the same, same principle. And the cases, the case law is just stacked up that the president does have the right to do this mandate. The chances of some of these lawsuits winning are, as I like to say, probably about the same as me being named Mr. Universe this year. And we're still waiting. We're, we're, still, we're still waiting for that uh, judgment. Yeah, there, exactly. You know? And yeah. the chances of that are slim and none. Um, but yeah, so Tony is taking the best approach that he can. Hey, this is an inequitable treatment. You know, this is a letter to the White House. We want to let you know. We want you to reconsider this. We want you to think about this before you get any permanent harm to these employees who aren't vaccinated. And, you know, there, there are a whole host of issues that come along with this. If people are not vaccinated and we are called back to the office or they have to go into the office, you know, people that are vaccinated possibly will be nervous about that. And we're going to have to make sure that proper safety protocols are followed. And the Social Security Administration has uh, announced they are ending their evacuation order in January, I believe it is. Um, there are rumors IRS may at some point, but there's nothing official on that yet. Yeah, I, I keep hearing these rumors that 
IRS, you know, when I say back to work, when people say back to work, that drives me nuts because as you and I both know, and our listeners know, our employees are working their asses off. And for other federal agency employees who are listening to this podcast who aren't IRS, they're working their asses off and they may not be in the office, but they're working. But yeah, it looks like the rumors I'm hearing is very possible IRS could be following in uh, SSA's footsteps and have something like a January 3rd uh, end of the evacuation order. Now, IRS has to give 30 days notice. So we would have to hear about that by December the 3rd, um, which is, seems like the witching hour for everything between, you know, debt ceiling and government shutdown. And that could possibly be a notice on going back to work, but going back to the office. And now even there I, you go, so, uh, you and I yeah. both done it on occasion. Yeah. 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 And so it's, but it's one of those things that I think is a very strong possibility. And if it's not going to be January 3rd, it could be shortly after that. So people should prepare for a return to the office to do the work, um, you know, and saying, oh, I don't want to go to the office at all is not going to be something they're going to be able to do. And that gets into this whole issue of if we return to the office, uh, what sorts of rules are going to apply to those that are vaccinated and not vaccinated? We know some of those you know, answers now. Uh, if uh, Tony Reardon's suggestion is is taken up by the White House, but uh, we'll you know we will keep everyone posted on that. But as of right now, we're still under the executive order issued by the president, and uh, we'll as again as again we'll we'll do this on the weekly podcast. We'll also do this at our uh, our Facebook page. You can find it at NTEU Chapter Forty Nine Indiana. Uh, you can like and follow or, and or follow our Facebook page and we, that will come up on your Facebook news feed. And, that, and Duncan also sends out uh, emails uh, to people, but Duncan has some uh, use or lose leave to take. So he may not be in every day. So I, <laughs> by the way, I want to, yeah, there's, there's a lot of user lose coming up, unfortunately, because I haven't taken much leave this year. Well, you've been busy in DC and national bargaining and it's been hard for you to take time off. So I think I can understand that. Plus just the regular pressures of your job before i'm we're going to go way over 30 minutes today if that's okay with you duncan we have to, absolutely uh, the uh, i want to just pause for a moment uh, we had not planned to do a podcast last week because i had originally planned to go to south dakota see my daughter's family and visit my uh, my son-in-law and of course my 14 month old grandson that was the plan I didn't end up going there. I ended up in the hospital, and I'm very fortunate to have gotten through all that, and it appears I'm on the road to recovery. One more blood test just to verify it, and I should be okay from here on. So I want to thank there's so many people uh, that uh, reached out to me and wished me well. I want to thank everybody who did that, each of you. I appreciate uh, every message that I received, including from you, Duncan, and from many other people I've known through my uh, connections with IRS and NTEU, and everyone was appreciated. Uh, but I'm okay. I'm doing well and, and proud to say it. Although my doctor's kind of shocked that I got over it as well <laughs> as I did. That was when I realized I was probably in worse shape than even I knew. But moving on, let's uh, move on to another very important issue that we touched on last time and two weeks ago, roughly, when we had our last podcast. You were speculating about awards. We have a little more information on awards. Tell, tell us what you know. Yes, we do. Um, first off, I want to say 
um, that I'm very glad that you made it through okay. And it was not anything COVID related. I do want to let people know that it, nothing to do with COVID, but I'm very glad that um, that you made it through that fun period for you. On awards, here's what we know. We're November the 29th. Awards are coming out November the 29th. Now, before you start contacting me and emailing me and calling me and sending smoke signals or whatever it is to say, am I getting an award? I don't know yet. What will happen is, is sometime in the next week or so, hopefully next between the before the next two weeks, but in the next week or so, the information will be given to National NTU. National NTU then correlates it per chapter and sends it out to the chapter. Once I have that information, I will send out an email to all members in the chapter saying, I've got the information. If you want to know if you qualify for an award and what your amount is, please email me. Don't call me because I need an email so I know how to track this, track this to make sure I've answered everybody's. So please know it's November 29th. I don't know the amount, the amount you're getting yet or if you qualify yet or what the qualifying scores are yet. Don't know any of that. As soon as I have it, I'll send out the email. We'll, and then anybody who wants the information will get it. We do know that if you are a um, above a grade six, that the cap for this year for the maximum amount of award you can get is $7,000, which is considerably more than it has been in the past. So, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that the awards will be of a greater amount. And again, it's the top 55% plus ties who qualify. And if you have an outstanding rating, which is a 4.6 where it says outstanding, you can get a 4.6 without outstanding, but that's rare. We know for sure that you qualify, but there could be scores for people that are well below that that qualify as well. We just don't know yet and won't know until we get the data. And that has a lot to do with how groupings are done. And I know that NTEU has gone to the mat to try to make that a more fair process. Unfortunately, the legal system or just the, the whole system for adjudicating these disputes didn't come out exactly the way NTU wanted. So if you have a complaint about about how these are grouped, don't blame NTU. They went to the mat for you to try to change this. Uh, this is what management wanted, and it's not exactly the system that NTU wanted. But it is a joint effort between NTU to management. It's a contract provision, and that's why uh, you do get some information uh, early as to who is getting the award and how much and and uh, so that's good advice. Do the email. Don't call Duncan. He's got enough phone calls. <laughs> yeah. And, and to management's credit, I want to give credit where credit is due. They didn't have to start doing the larger amounts with the higher cap until next year's awards. But they decided it was fair. It was right to start doing it this year. So I do uh, thank them for doing the right thing there. I want to move to travel. And, you know, I can remember travel rules being an issue all the way back to 1983 when I started with the IRS. And we have another controversy about travel. I want, to, want you to give us the chapter and verse on that. Yeah, this is one that has cropped up. Uh, I started hearing about it from revenue agents. And once I started hearing about it, it was like went from a drip to a waterfall very quickly. 
and because it was based on local travel and how much how you're going to be able to take it and if you're going to have to take off a certain amount before you're able to include you know what in your travel and then last night they send out something saying lodging has to be done through our concur system which is the system for reservations you can't make your own hotel reservations even even if you can save the government more money by getting something at a lower than government rate which just totally blows my mind but that's what they've come out with i want to tell you that um i know several chapter presidents including myself have been in close contact with our folks at national and uh, Ken Moffat and his folks in the negotiations department are all over this. They're looking into it. They're seeing what can be done. We want to make sure this is done correctly. And so far, we haven't seen the documentation that backs up the IRS's change. So there, there's more to come on this. Don't anybody panic yet. It's being, you know, national into you is well aware and is working the issue. So what I'm hearing you say is that the negotiators and the attorneys in Washington working for NTEU are looking at, a, number one, what is the um, legal uh, authority to do this? And secondly, if there's any questioning of that, they're looking at the best way to try to, to get this changed if it needs, if they have, if there's an ability to get this changed. Because I know just from some of the email traffic you've shared with me that obviously <clears throat> revenue agents have to be out in the field. Other people are doing work out in the field. Some have overnight travel as well as uh, mileage on their personal vehicles. So uh, this impacts a lot of field people. Absolutely. It impacts just about every field person and want to make sure that you know, they're, they're not hurt financially by something that is a change that's not really based in law. And that's what we want to see. We want to see the documentation that justifies this change. Let's move on to health insurance open season. Uh, it's now started. It, and uh, tell us uh, what benefits NTEU uh, offers, or does offer yeah. to our membership in this regard. Yeah, the consumer checkbook that's on the NTEU.org website is absolutely invaluable. Again, I urge everybody to take a look and and find this because just because you've had a health insurance for you know forever since you started the IRS, well, this is what I've always had and I'm going to keep it. You could be costing yourself hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, a year in doing that by not doing your research because there could be companies out there that are national companies that are offering the same protections, you know, check with your doctor's office, see if they accept that insurance. And if they do, could be offering the same coverages, could be offering the same prescription plans and things like that at a much less rate. And that's what we're all about is trying to, everybody wants to save money. You want to save what you make. And this is something that can really help you and your family out. So I strongly urge everybody to take a look at their health insurance make the right choice for you and your family um, that's going to be the best value. And that checkbook is online at nteu.org. And if you haven't, if you're a member and you have not set up an account, you need to do that right away. Absolutely. And it's very easy to do. All right. You've already mentioned this. Uh, we are once again moving closer to the precipice, both on the uh, the fact that we don't have a budget after December 3rd and the uh, debt ceiling I've heard, I've seen all kinds of crazy projections on when the debt ceiling will be reached. That seems to be 
in some controversy, but uh, we do know there are some deadlines lingering very soon. And the last thing I've seen, excuse me, from our legislative department is that Congress is negotiating over it. So we still don't know what, if anything, is, is happening. We do know there's talk, and that's about it. And how much talk is about the particular, you know, appropriations, because everybody right now is concentrating on infrastructure, 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 which I get and I think is a great thing to be discussed, talked about, you know, because there does need to be, you know, a lot of discussion on that and pass what is needed. But we also need to fund the government, too. That would be a helpful discussion. Passing the, uh, you know, limit to the debt ceiling would also be a good thing because I don't really like to see the stock market totally crash because the government is uh, you know, not paying all of its just obligations. That's never good. So hopefully they will come to some consensus soon. Um, I, I'm afraid that they'll do what they did just recently and do another continuing resolution and do a short-term lifting of the debt ceiling and just kick the can down the road. I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, if, if, that's, if, if that's the worst case, that's fine. Just nobody needs a shutdown at this point or a default in the, the debt ceiling. I need to clarify one thing, and I think you've touched on it already, but let me try to clarify because this it's, when you're trying to uh, follow things in the media, it's very hard to do. The basic infrastructure bill, the uh, roads and bridges, <laughs> the infrastructure right. on uh, Internet and a whole list of things, that infrastructure bill has passed and will soon be signed into law by the president. Now, there's another bill called Bill Back Better, which is more like human infrastructure. Right. It's, it's within that legislation that IRS has a lot of funding. Now, the last time we had a podcast, I said I saw a $400 billion uh, number, and I, I was it, it had been um, uh, revealed just right before we went uh, on to record. That $400 billion is really what – uh, IRS additional spending is supposed to yield over a certain amount of time. I think the actual extra amount of money for uh, IRS is something like eighty billion, which is no small right. amount. <laughs> but that's right, uh, eighty billion over like ten years. Yeah, it's, or it's, eight o- years, I think. it's yeah. over a certain period of years. It's not instant, and probably couldn't absorb it all at one time easily anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of numbers have been bandied around. But that big hiring for IRS. Uh, that's been discussed would only happen if the bill back better, which is like the human infrastructure. That's the one that uh, people are waiting for a congressional budget office score uh, to see how it comes out uh, financially in terms of paying for itself, uh, whether or not uh, that is the case. So there are some members of Congress who are on the fence and want to see that figure before they decide how they want to vote. And and so that's the house that will go to the Senate's, if the Senate does pass it, it's probably going to be in a different form. They'll have to do a conference committee or something. So there'll have to be some, and if not that, they'll, you know, sometimes the Senate passes and the House just passes that version. It just depends on how the leaders of Congress decide to do it, and it assumes that people come to an agreement. So that extra funding for IRS, is, is we're still waiting on that. And and even, uh, you know, I think you mentioned this, the, the new budget the Biden administration has proposed would also increase our budget, not by that much, but certainly by enough that we can actually right. do what we're supposed to do. Is that, would you say I'm accurate in describing I that? Would, I would absolutely say you're accurate. And that's one of the things that's always puzzling to me is, well, we want to cut the IRS's funding. That's like cutting your sales staff and saying, 
well, why aren't we bringing in more money? Well, you know, if you're not funding the part of the organization that brings in, you know, well over 95% of your funds, then <laughs> you're not going to be successful. And that's the thing. You fund the IRS and the IRS will bring in money. One thing that's happened recently, and I know this has actually come up in your discussions with the management, Duncan, about this situation, with so many people working telework, and even after the evacuation order is lifted, we'll still have a lot of people on telework. Uh, Telework means you must have an internet connection at home. And what we had uh, just recently before we record this is a national outage of one of the major companies that provide internet service. So lots of people around Indiana were cut off from their internet at home. So the question that comes up is, all right, I'm at home, my internet's cut off, what do I do now? What's the answer? Yeah, for folks who are newer to telework, you know, it, Comcast slash Xfinity, um, the best one I saw was, again, from the movie Airplane, where the guy was, you know, had unplugged the big cord with the lights and was sitting there smiling. I saw that one out the other day, and I'm like, yeah, that, that could be for, you know, what happened. Comcast slash Xfinity went down for a few hours uh, yesterday. And so employees who are on teleworking, who are using the uh, using that Internet, couldn't do anything. The proper thing to always do, and this is part of your telework agreement, is if you cannot work from your telework site, you are required to contact your manager and to make sure that, you know, say, hey, I can't work. And the manager either says, you know, you're going to have to take your own leave or you're going to have to come into the office, depending upon what time of the day it is. And if you have to come into the, you know, if they tell you you have to come into the office or take leave, legally they are correct and able to do that. So I want to make sure everybody has that understanding. Yeah, because that, that, that we haven't had a major outage like that in a while, and that was a major right. provider uh, that a lot of people use. So uh, it was a, a topic for a discussion, and that is the right. You may have to come in the office, or the, you'd have to just use the uh, guidance given to you by your manager. One last thing before we go, and I know we're over time, so uh, hopefully we have, we've kept our audience uh, engaged but uh, we're coming up on Veterans Day. We're recording this on November 10th. November 11th is Veterans Day. It's always on the 11th because uh, it was the end. It marks the end of World War One, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month, uh, and that was when that war ended. But at that time, people called the war to end all wars. Of course, we know that wasn't the case, sadly. But Duncan. Uh, Working for the federal government, we work around a lot of veterans, and I've always loved uh, the fact that I've been around so many people who are military vets while working as a civilian in the government. Yeah, there are an awful lot of veterans, and the federal government encourages veterans, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, my father was a veteran. My uncles were veterans, um, you know, served in World War II, and I— you know, I am very grateful for all who have served and just want to make sure that everybody uh, that has served knows that, that um, NTU locally and nationally uh, is grateful and thankful for your service and sincerely appreciates that. So you have a day off on uh, as a federal employee on Veterans Day. You know, I would you don't have to, but I would encourage people, you know, every almost every local community 
has some kind of Veterans Day event. I usually go to mine uh, here where I live in Fishers, Indiana, and I've I've got to go get a medical test, and I'm going to go over there, and even if I'm a few minutes late, I'm going to go to mine, uh, the, uh, to, which is tomorrow, the day after we record this, on November 11th. I'm sure a lot of people listen to our podcast well after we record, but um, I just want everyone to know that that's something I would encourage you to do if you possibly can. Okay, Duncan, your uh, final comment for this podcast. Final comment is to make sure that your information is in HR Connect. Get that done if you haven't gotten it done. You know, if if you've been vaccinated, make sure your documentation's uploaded. If you haven't been vaccinated, I again urge you to be vaccinated because as of right now, the executive order is insisting on that. We don't have the testing option, although we hope we will in the future if the administration agrees with Tony Reardon's uh, letter. But, you know, we want... Just, I just want everybody to be safe and healthy. I echo what Tony said earlier. We've seen far too many people pass and be sick due to COVID, and I don't want to see that happen to one more person. You know, I spent some time at a hospital last week, and I just can't say enough about people in the nursing, the medical staff, and hospitals. I know they've been under tremendous stress in these COVID wards, and I was not in a COVID ward. I had a completely different health issue than COVID, but it was it was serious for a couple of days, but they helped nurse me back to health. And these are good people. And uh, sadly, so many people who are in the hospitals today, if you talk to people who work in hospitals, almost all of them are unvaccinated. If you vaccinate, it's not a guarantee you won't get COVID but it it greatly lessens the chance you'll end up in a hospital. So I want to thank everyone for listening. Thanks to Tony Reardon for taking time out of his busy schedule to give us an important update as to what's happening on the vaccine mandate, and we will await what response he receives from that. Remember, you can find the Chapter 49 podcast on just about any podcast uh, platform audio wise just search under podcasts by larry lannan l-a-n-n-a-n and you can find all the podcasts i produce including the chapter 49 podcast if you'd like to see the video version of it just go to youtube search for duncan giles and you can subscribe to his uh, youtube page and uh, or his, his youtube feed if you will and you'll be able to see all of our podcasts we've had in recent weeks when we added our video version. So once again, we thank you for watching. We thank you for listening. Wish you well. We'll be back next week if all goes well. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. Be kind.